Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And joining us on the carne asada is Dodgers pitcher Andre Jackson. Andre, ¿cómo estás, amigo? Uh, hey, todo bien, todo bien. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, look at that. So where did you pick up? Did you pick up that Spanish from your days in Arizona, or did you pick it up from the locker room? Uh, I think it all started in Arizona. I, I always had uh, teammates from Mexico growing up. So, like, I, I learned a little bit of the Mexican Spanish and the slang. And then, um, but I definitely am using it a lot in the locker room more than life now. So, so did yeah. they teach you all the bad words like everyone always does? Yeah, for sure. I think everybody learns the bad words first, so you know what not to say, <laughs> and then you, <laughs> and then you got to transition to like trying to put sentences together. But yeah, I definitely struggle putting sentences together. But the understanding part um, kind of always helps guys translate or whatever, try to understand what's going on. So. Hey, we, we appreciate that, Cardinal, because, you know, we're the only Latino podcast that covers the Dodgers. So you're oh, making you an effort to, to speak of the language. <laughs> I, I think you got a lot of fans now. I just uh, become Andre Jackson fans. Hey, you know, it's crazy. So my mom, my mom's a, a white girl from Massachusetts and my dad's a black dude from El Paso. So like um, just I get the all different cultures or whatever, but they both speak Spanish somehow. Um, really? Yeah, my dad's whole family's uh basically bilingual all of his brothers and sisters and then uh, my mom she picked it up and uh you know growing up in high school or whatever so they can they still understand it they know what's going on still so no one's fluent or anything but uh we kind of i always had that helping me a little bit growing up too hey look at that man that that diversity helps andre yeah. uh looking back at 2022 like, how do you measure yourself? Like, when the season's over, do you look back and just focus on the good, or do you focus on what you need to work on? How do you, when you go back and forth between the minor leagues and the major leagues, how can you truly assess yourself? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, it's one thing to look at numbers, um, but I think it's also something to, you know, look at how you felt during the season. And uh, I think for me early on, I struggled, obviously, the first half of the season in AAA. Got called up early, um, wasn't throwing much up in the big leagues, and then never really caught my rhythm um, like I had done in 21. And so, you know, at the time, I'm like, dang, you know, like, what's going on? I'm walking guys. I'm not, I'm not, I, I never walk guys like that. Um, not throwing the ball where I want to. Off speed maybe isn't as sharp as it was. And you're just looking, you're like, what's going on? And, you know, for me, I had to, had to, had to hit a hard reset um, and, you know, got to work with some of our, our guys, uh, minor league pitching coaches, and kind of just refresh, like revitalize and kind of like start the season over, it felt like, in my mind. And so, like, the second half of the season was great for me. Um, got the confidence back on the ball where I wanted to. And then, obviously, the last month ending in the big leagues, getting a throw. I was, uh, I called it my Sunday service, got it through, I threw every Sunday of the last month. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I look at the whole year, I'm like, okay, it wasn't great from start to finish, but I ended really well. And so like now I take that momentum, that feeling and the things that were happening when I was throwing well, I try to take that into next season. So, you know, I, I can start off this season, you know, sharp and fresh, having those things, you know, fresh in my mind still. You know, I've always, I've heard former major leaguers talk about this, but you just mentioned it, the routine. 
I, I, is that just something as a fan we're never going to understand how important routine is to you guys? Because you mentioned like once you started throwing every Sunday service, you felt like a different pitcher. Yeah, you know it is. It's very important. You know, as a as a, a young forty man pitcher, especially with a team like the Dodgers, I one hundred percent feel part of the team. But it is a struggle. Um, going up and down and everybody has to go through that. You know what I mean? So I try to rely on the veterans that have been in that situation before. Um, you know, now it's to the time where it's like, okay, now I'm actually looking to establish myself in the big leagues. Um, but it is, it is hard. Um, and you know, think about it, like any, any person goes through routine in their normal day life. They just don't understand it or they don't, they don't, they don't aren't, aren't tapping into it. Like it needs to, it's going to make them, you know, uh, they don't understand how important it is for their profession yet. Maybe that's probably what we do is like understand that, okay, this is going to make me do this well, which is going to make me pitch well or make me hit well. Right. So, you know, you, you kind of adapt and adopt things that are like, and try to streamline your life. And that's basically what the routine is. Um, and so things that kind of sway you from that, it's like, that's why, that's why you hear guys, I got away from my routine or I got to, uh, you know, switch my routine. It's because you really just want a couple things you can hone in on that are going to make you the best ball player possible. Well, you know, we got spring training coming right around the corner. And look, every time you come up, man, you deliver. I mean, you had an ERA close to two the first time you came up. And then last year, yeah, I get it. It wasn't that many games, but you had an ERA under two. So we're hearing all this stuff that the Dodgers are committing to the young guys this year, right? They're not signing any big free agents and all that stuff. And I feel people are sleeping on you because <laughs> you have been in the show. And not yeah. only have you been in the show, you showed that you can perform in the show. So going into spring training, how is your confidence level? Is it different this time around because you have a legitimate shot to make the team? Yeah, um, 100%. I am the most confident I've ever been going to baseball. I feel great right now. I'm having a great offseason. It's the most consistent offseason I've been, been able to have, too. So I've been able to, like, work on a lot of different things that I can, like, spend the time and focus on myself. Um, so I can, you know, achieve the goal. That's my goal. You know, go to camp and, and you know, take a job. That's, 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 that's my goal. You know, uh, the thing about being with the Dodgers and, it's it's the greatest team in the world to play for and it could also be the hardest team in the world to stay there too because you know um we are going to go sign the big free agents but that being said the last two years the experiences that i had in the, in, the, in the clubhouse and talking to guys is invaluable i wouldn't trade that for anything because the guys that we've had you know the kershaw's the scherzer's julio people sleep on julio julio is an ace is a certified ace bueller those guys it's like it's ridiculous the guys we have right and so when you you know, obviously it takes a little bit of track record in the big leagues to start comparing yourself but to those guys. But, you know, that is the same position I'm trying to be in. So, um, yeah, for sure. Like, you, you definitely want to go to camp, and, and that, that is a job that, like, that I'm shooting for. Um, you know, but we'll see what happens. You, you, you mentioned a, uh, a, a key word on this show, and that's Julio. We are, we are Julio Stans accounts here. And so when you said that you need the Spanish in the locker room, is that for Julio? Is that who you're, uh, <laughs> hey, charlando con, got, con Julio? Hey, Julio, Julio's got great English, man. He's, Julio's a stud, man. That, that guy, it's, it's actually funny, man. So he, I think he's in year, about to be year six. Um, and, and I'm still older than him. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Julio's the man, and he uh, uh, he definitely deserves some flowers for what he's done the last couple of years, um, flying under the radar. You know, some maybe some of the big big names, but he uh, he he's he's a, he's a stud for sure. So you know, you mentioned that I, that he doesn't get enough credit on this show. We like to say he flat out gets disrespected. You know, and and look, I get it, Sandy Alcantara. The numbers are all there, right. but this guy Julio, like the last two years, man, he's been out there. Not only that, but in twenty twenty, he basically won them the World Series, right? Uh, but does he? He always seems like a shy guy, like. But is it different? Like when it's just you guys out there working, is he a guy that you could talk to that can be like, hey, man? When you came out here, how did you deal with this? Yeah, no, for sure. Anybody that goes up to Julio knows, anybody that knows him knows he's very approachable. Um, 
He's a great dude. He really cares. He especially cares about the young guys because he, he's still young. And as much of a veteran as he is in the big leagues now, he's still young. And so he really, he really like tries to, um, you know, we've talked a lot. Of, he's been in the same situation I've been in when he first came up. Um, but you know what? He's, it's collected and, 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 and quiet confidence is what I, I'd probably say more of than being shy. Um, you know, they always say like the smartest person in the room is the quietest person in the room because they, they're absorbing and, and, and being a sponge. And I probably should learn a little bit from that. <laughs> I like to talk. But <laughs> no, for sure. He's he's a great guy. So, so I, I mean, that Major League debut that you had, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's many people that could could speak to that. I, I mean, how often do you think about that debut, debut? Does that really stick with you as much as people say, like, you never forget your first time? Yeah. Um, you know what? It's crazy, like. I still don't feel like it's real um, or it's maybe a little bit of the fact and, and, and you know, not to too much on horn or anything, but like you expect to do that as a kid. You're like, oh, I'm going to be a big leaguer, right? That's always been my plan, always been my goal. And so when you're in it, it doesn't feel, it, it feels like it's supposed to happen. Obviously you like take a step back and you're like grateful for the opportunity and you're grateful for the people that have got you there. And, and I wouldn't be here without a countless number of people, right? But when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, no, damn, like, yeah, it did happen. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, now I want it, I want it to continue happening. What's next? And I think that's something you know, a lot of athletes deal with is like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Because we are so routine oriented, we are trying to reach all these goals. And that's why you see guys like you know the greats, LeBron, Kershaw, like all these guys. They just they just keep doing it. They've done everything they can do in the game, but that's in their DNA is like what's next, and I think that's a little bit of it. You you know you you, you get a taste of it. You want to you want to keep going. So is this right? You had Tommy John in twenty seventeen. Uh yes, twenty sixteen. Okay, so. so- So help me out here because I feel like everyone just takes Tommy John for granted. Like, you know, Walker Bueller's going to have his second Tommy John and it's like, oh, he'll be back in a year. But really, like, how hard is it to come back from from that? Um, I think the surgeons uh, do such a great job now and where baseball is in terms of like science and research, the like the rehab process is it's, it's very hard on the person. Like, it's hard mentally, it's hard physically, 100%. And I don't want to discount that. But the help that we do receive is, and I honestly, like, kudos to our staff. They are so good with rehabs. Um, and they have been, at least since I've been here. Anything I've had, they've been able to, like, you know, nip in the bud. But it is a very long, daunting process. And when you think about it that way, um, it could it could be, like, mentally rough. But when you're in it, there's like little victories you have, you know, your first month, it's about like getting range of motion back. So like every day you have on your calendar of what you're doing. So you take these little milestones, you know, maybe you get to three months and you can start doing some sort of lift or whatever it may be. Um, I forget now, it feels like it forever ago, (laughs) but you know, you get, when you first get to pick up a baseball and start throwing it, like all these little victories are happening. And so you kind of get lost in that. And I think that's what, you know, most guys kind of, get to in their in their rehab process so you're probably the only one and i'm hoping you're going to tell us the truth you got to celebrate a division championship now they got the cameras in there so we see all you guys partying but i want to know andre what do you guys do afterwards once the cameras are gone and you guys do i know you got to take a shower to get wipe off all the alcohol but where do you guys go party do you guys go party at mookie's like the party doesn't stop at the stadium, right? You guys hey, keep going, right? Hey, so I, I that was the only celebration I've been a part of. I ain't gonna lie to you. That champagne hit, and I went straight home because I'm from <laughs> Arizona. So we it happened in at, in here in Phoenix and had some champagne in the clubhouse, couple of beers. Wife wife drove home, and I, I'm in bed in an hour after that. So <laughs> I know you probably want to hear some crazy story, but it didn't happen. So, I mean, do you, do you take that? I, I mean, look, the Dodgers have been in the playoffs for 10 straight years, right? So I think as fans, we take those celebrations for granted. But this was your first time like mm-hmm. doing it. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? Or is it kind of just like one of those, what is happening right now? 
A little bit of both. I think you feel a little bit of energy in the air of like, hey, we've been here before. And Doc, you know, Doc Hart, like he says this a lot. Like, hey, you can't take these for granted. Some people's tenth time, and some people's first time. Kershaw said it too. And uh, for me, I was like, whoa, this is this is really cool. I want to do this every year. Um, in the moment, and then you sense some guys are like, no, I've been here before. But what's really important is the next, the next game, and the next game, and the next game. So it's like, okay, I get it now. Like. This is fun, but like, I, and 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 some guys never get to experience that. So I'm very lucky to to have done that. But it was also cool to be with guys like Michael Grove and uh, Tony was there, and like Vargi. Um, those are the guys I came up with, um, and I've been you know in the minor leagues with. So like those guys getting to do it with those guys and getting that picture is pretty cool. So we you, you mentioned Miguel Vargas. We we had him on the show, and we found out that he is not a fan of hot sauce. How can you can you handle a hot sauce or are you oh, like are you yeah. like Miguel who who doesn't like it? Yeah, no, a lot of those a lot of the Latin guys from like the Caribbean they don't love the hot sauce, and, and, you know, because growing up, a lot in, I, my Latin America is Sonora, Mexico, so it's like that's that's hot sauce on everything. So uh, no, yeah, I, I'm I love the hot sauce. So are you saying you're a Blacksican, Andre? Is that what you're telling us? Yes, I'm Blacksican. If you want to call it that, I like to call myself an urban cowboy. Um, All right, urban cowboy. <laughs> we'll go with urban cowboy, though. Urban cowboy, yeah. No, uh, that's funny, yeah. Blacksican's cool. <laughs> well, but you guys, I mean, you got to be a part of, like, stuff that, you know, in the at the major league level, like the, the celebration of the division. But then there's that annual trip where they make every everybody dresses up when they go on the i believe it's the last road trip of the season and you and joey gallo and bellinger and turner you guys went with the chippendales right uh costume babyface do you, do you have the picture for us because i i gotta ask you uh, uh something on the there it is so as we can see from this picture bellinger and justin turner and for those of you just listening to the audio portion this is another reason why you should subscribe to the youtube channel so you can see this famous picture here it could be like framed and hung in a museum somewhere but we see cody bellinger and justin turner are wearing muscle shirts to cover them but andre is going that is his real that's his real body so did you like shame bellinger and turner for wearing shirts like, where did that confidence come from to be like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going shirtless? And how did you inc be included in the Four Horsemen here? <laughs> so it's actually funny. I, I got called up that day. I think we were in San Diego. Um, had like a 5 o'clock flight from Oklahoma City to Dallas to San Diego. Game was at 1. I got there at 12. Played catch barely on the field. Pitched that game. And ended up being really good. So I was just riding this adrenaline high. And then I get there and everybody's like, hey, you got a, um, you got a costume? I'm like, no. I was on a flight this morning. <laughs> JT's like, hey. And JT randomly walked by and he's like, hey, I got a costume for you. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was like, sure, perfect. Next time I know I'm getting a bow tie and some cufflings. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And they had they – had, uh, I don't think they made any black Chippendales uh, <laughs> body suits, but that would have been a trip. So you didn't have a choice then. Yeah, if they had a shirt, you would have worn the shirt then. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. But you know, there was JT with the bodysuit, Belly with the bodysuit, and then I'm sitting next, here next to Joey. It's like, come <laughs> on, guys, this is ridiculous. But the edit, the edit didn't look too bad, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. You, hey, urban cowboy, right there, urban man. You, you, you looked good. So I mean. Three of those guys are gone. And, you know, Justin Turner, his impact in L.A. is 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 huge. I mean, with him, the news that he's going to join the Red Sox, a lot of fans are, are taking it tough. As a pitcher, do you interact much with everyday players? I mean, do you have any interaction with Justin Turner or Cody Bellinger? Yeah. Um, you know, those guys are great. I, uh, I got to know Cody... Um, wouldn't say well this year, but got to know him a lot better than years previous because um, we're always flying by. Pitchers and hitters are always on different schedules. JT being a vet, um, I, I've got to spend a little bit more time with him um, in, the, in the clubhouse and stuff. And he's a great guy. He's super approachable. He's always like kind of, you know, every time he sees me, what's up, Dre? Like, how you doing? Whatever's going on. So JT, like that's something that I think a lot of guys will miss in the Dodgers fans, especially because he's just a great guy first. 
Um, he's been there. He's been steady at third base for us for a long time. Um, so that's 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 obviously a big hit in belly. Um, everybody knows what belly is capable of. And yeah, he's had a few down seasons, but like there's no love lost there by there shouldn't be by any fans because he's done nothing but work hard. Um, you know, he's battled injuries, done whatever he's had to do to be out on the field every day. He's played a great center field. So um, another guy that we're going to miss. And then Joey was awesome. Like, you know, Joey's had a crazy baseball career coming up with Bryce and like all the different things you've heard about him, the celebrity or whatever. And he's just a down earth dude. And yeah, he struggled and he's gone through some stuff, but like, again, like it is a hard game we play. <laughs> it's really hard. Pitching is hard, but hitting a baseball is hard. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, you know, the, kudos to those guys. Cause as easy as it is to like when you're having success and they both have, it's really hard when you're struggling and I've been there. So, like, I, I, I totally get it. And for those guys to be, you know, like pillars in the clubhouse, guys can go to them and, you know, they're the same guy every day. That's that's really hard to do. So kudos to those guys. I, I have a theory that Cody Bellinger is aware of this stoner image that he has, and he just plays it up. How far <laughs> off base am I, Andre? No, Cody's just, dude, Cody's just Cody, man. He's just a chill guy. What you see is what you get. And that's what I love about him, man. Like, all the things, all the theatrical stuff. You talk to Cody, it's exactly what you think, man. He's just a super down-to-earth dude, and he just he's a gamer, man. He really loves it. He loves the game. So you were a part of something else, uh, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. On Black Heritage Night, you caught the uh, first pitch. You caught it from Darvin Ham, but then there were some also some other celebrities on the field. Uh, I believe Issa Rae was there, Will I Am. And and you caught next to Mookie and and Trace, right? Like the the Dodgers have been doing a lot of these heritage nights, and last year was the first year that they did like a Salvadoran and a Guatemalan heritage night, and people were so happy. I mean, I was there on Salvadoran heritage night, and it was a party, man. They were just sitting there playing all the cumbias and stuff like that. Yeah. How important are these heritage nights? Do you think they're, they're genuine or is it just something to placate fans? Um, whether they're disingenuine or genuine, I, I'm glad they're doing it. Um, you never know, you know, but as a, a black player, like being part of the players, alliance, that's something that we're really pushing for is diversity in baseball and diversity in the stands. Like we want black people in the stands. We want people from Salvador in the stands. And that's the cool thing about LA is that the culture is crazy. Um, and there's a lot of the Mexican heritage there, which is great. Um, so like being a part of that was awesome, right? Yeah. Like being next to Mookie and Trace, um, DP, Travis Smith, strength coach, might be missing people. But there's not a lot of us black players in the game. And a lot of people on, on the TV, they see they see black people, but they're Latin American most of the time. Mm -hmm. So um, to have the heritage night, it's great. But I think it also is a responsibility of the Dodgers and, and all MLB teams, to be honest, um, to try to get inclusion, get people in the stands from different cultures. So I like, I love that part about it. Um, also, we're the Jackie Robinson, you know, organization. So I think that's very important. Um, Fernando Valenzuela, like all these different, all these different goats um, came from different cultures and different things like that. Um, I, I love, I love inclusion. I love bringing everybody in. And so I, I also, I, I do think that's the responsibility that every team has for sure. Wow, Andre, you must listen to the show because you just said another trigger word, and that's Valenzuela. I mean, Val Valenzuela is king on this podcast, man. So I, I got to ask you this just because the Dodgers signed Noah Syndergaard, and on their website, they had put 34 on there, and we were losing our shit over here going, there's no way he's wearing 34. There's no way. Now, everybody who's a loyal listener to this show knows we're on this campaign to get that number retired. Right. You said go, right? You mentioned Jackie Robinson and you mentioned Valenzuela in the same sentence. So outside of like Mexicans, Valenzuela still plays, right? Like you know about him. Yeah, right, 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 right. No, I, uh, you know what? I would be lying to you if I said I was the best baseball historian. That <laughs> I leave that to my dad. But I know what he's done for the culture, and and to see like when when Volver plays at Dodger Stadium, man, that it goes crazy, and I love that. That's the culture I grew up in, man. So it's like I understand cultural icons, and I think they're just as important as baseball icons. Um, 
and especially when we're talking about a team like the LA Dodgers, like that, that needs to be something that like, it, it should be the big pool of people from everywhere. And, you know, you see Mookie wearing it. We need black people in the stands. Like we need, we need Mexican people in the stands. We need everybody there. And I think that's something that like sports is so is the perfect thing. You saw the world cup, like how incredible that is. And people get passionate for that. And that's like something that, we have here in the United States that we don't hold on to. Um, and we're so grateful to be on the field playing the game. Uh, not everybody could do it, but we're lucky to be doing it, right? So like we do have a responsibility to include everybody because it's something that spreads love. And I, that's what I love about it. Were you surprised that when Mookie wore that shirt, and I think it was something along the lines that we need more black people in Major League Baseball, that it didn't get more attention? No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> not surprised at all. Uh, you know what? And it's it's tough. It's it's a tough uh, thing because as a player, you don't want to get involved in politics sometimes because it gets turned into a negative thing. But like, also, you you do you do have the freedom to say you know what what needs to be said, and he's not wrong. Um, whether you know, and this is my thing about all that is, I think players are should be you know able to you know express what's on their mind as long as you know within parameters of, you know, you're trying to spread love, you're trying to spread awareness on, on, on good causes. Um, and, and I think for the consumer, the, the fans, like, take it, take it and, you know, and for what it is. And if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you. And if it does, it does. But it, it could it could change someone's life. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I, I appreciate I, I know what you're saying, that it's a it's a political issue. But for me, diversity will just make the sport better and having more african-americans playing baseball will just make baseball better so i i hate that it's taken as political i i wish that they would uh make a, a bigger effort to try to get more african-americans to play play the game so we're we're gonna wrap up the the show uh with what we call it's a segment it's called because Hanging out here, this is a carnesada, so we just like, you know, we're just shooting the shit. So these is our kickback questions. It's kind of like a little bit of a speed All round, right. Andre. All so right, uh, number one, are you a fan of the mariachi at Dodger Stadium or is it overplayed? I think we need more. Okay. You know what? Everybody we ask, actually, it's the majority. The reporters are the ones that are sick of it. All the players say they love the mariachi. And yeah. in particular, they always sit there and go, oh, the the big guy, the fat guy. We like the fat guy. By the way, his name is Julian. And, you know, he, he's great. He's been on the show. Uh, are you going to be changing your number this year? I'm trying to. Do you know what number you want? I'm going to keep it on the DL for now. Okay. All right. I was surprised. Um, have you given DJ Severe walk up music? Oh yeah. I uh I love um funk. Like I grew up on funk. LA's funky man. So I I went with a little bit of Roger Zap last year. More bounce to the ounce. Um, but oh, I kind of well played, my friend. <laughs> yeah, more bounce to the ounce. Uh. Uh, do what Diddy? Uh, who? What else? I do a little Anderson Pack in there too. He's an LA guy. Um, the easy one. The easy ones are Outcast and Andre Three Thousand, and and then you got a Dr. Dre for me as well. But uh, I try to mix it up. I'm a, like, like I said, Urban Cowboy. I like to be a little funky, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big music guy. So those are the, those are those get me going. Give me give me feeling a little rhythm. So you are an alum of Utah. Will you be going to the Rose Bowl, and are you supporting your Utes? I will be in uh, on the cruise, so I will not be there. Um, I was trying to get to the Pac-12 championship, but we had just had so much going on. Yeah, but I love, I love to see them whoop on USC. Sorry, sorry, LA fans. <laughs> uh, but I am a Ute. Okay, uh, two more. What is your favorite part of Los Angeles? Have you been able to experience LA? Yeah, um, just love the beach, man. Uh, I love getting up to Zuma um, up in, in Malibu. It's, it's usually a little chiller. Um, the food, I'm a foodie, man. Gotta love the food. The, every corner's got a cool mom and pop shop, and I love it. Oh, wow. You, uh, you just led me into our final question. We end the show with this. We ask everyone. Okay. We are about taco culture here on the Bleed Rose Podcast. Carnage there we go. It. All right. Where do you go to get it? Where do you go to get it? 
I need a spot. So if you guys got some spots, uh, I need some spots. I'm gonna hit you up after this for some spots in LA. But um, hey, hey whatever is the best. I'm carne asada. That's that's all you need. Corn okay. Tacos. I, I think for carne asada, there is a place in downtown LA called Sonora Town. But okay. when you make the club, we will bring you tacos. We did it to John Hartung last year, okay. where okay. we brought him carnitas tacos. We'll bring you asada tacos. Uh, but yeah, oh, it's it's good to know that the urban cowboy is one of us. Who knew? Who knew? We, we, <laughs> man. Hey, we, Tucson, Arizona, man. It's 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 a sleeper city, man. But it's it's got a great it's got a great culture. It's got great food. Um, it's awesome. I love growing up there. So you're always going to be an Arizonian, right? You won't adapt L.A. as your new home. No, I, I, it's too fast. It's too fast for me. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I really do love it um, during the season. Uh, and it's a great place to play, honestly. It's unlike anything else. Um, but I, in the off season, I like to slow down a little bit and get out here and just relax, man. Give them my, give them my carne inside of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Andre, it's been a real joy uh, getting to know you and talk to you. Uh, we're rooting for you, man. We really hope. I know it's going to be tough, uh, you know, because it's spring training. The Dodgers always have a lot of invitees. So I know it's going to be tough to make the roster, but we're, we're rooting for you, man, because, I mean, when you come up here, you perform. So, oh, uh and uh, just know that uh, we're going to give you some of that Bleed Lose podcast karma now, especially now that we know you're the Urban Cowboy, a.k.a. Uh, the Blacksican. So uh, <laughs> do you, you want to give any shout outs on your socials where the, the fans can can follow you? Yeah, man. Uh, before that, though, I will say my my first story, uh, I grew up in Arizona, so I went to D-backs games. Chris Young and Justin Upton were my guys growing up, Orlando Hudson. And so I'm sitting down the right field line behind the first base dugout for the first time playing the Dodgers. And this must have been years ago. And you see the BLA come up. And then all of a sudden you hear the Dodgers fans saying East LA. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I get it now. I get it. So that was my first, uh, that was my first lesson about Dodgers fans. But anyway, so I love it. But yeah, All right. Well, be, be careful how you answer this next one. West side or East side? I, hey, man. I love I love everybody. Spread love. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoken like a real politician. You're a pro now. You are a pro, Andre. So, so that, uh, again, I think we missed it. But you want to give your shout outs on your Instagram or your Twitter? Yeah, um, Andre Terrell thirteen, I think, is Instagram, and then uh, Dre Day X I I I on on uh, Twitter. Okay, so there you have it. There you have it, folks. So next time when we're at the stadium next year and we hear more bounce. You know where that's coming from. So, yeah. hey, if the fans, if they want to hear something, let me know. I'm, I'm down for whatever. Whatever okay. gets the people going. If you feel the energy up there, man, it's, it's nothing like it. So, all right, there we go. Just don't send Rhinestone Cowboy his way, okay? <laughs> I mean, so, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A big thank you to Andre Jackson. Thank you, Andre, for joining us. Hey, thanks, Juan. Appreciate y'all. And again, once again, a big thank you to Andre Jackson, the Urban Cowboy. Who knew that? I, I did not know that he referred to himself as the Urban Cowboy. So that that's good to know. Babyface, uh, what did you think about what Andre had to say? He knows what he's, you know, looking forward to next year. You know, he, you know, uh, I think we mentioned this a lot with a lot of these young guys that are coming up with the Dodgers. They have, you know, a good head on their shoulders, right? They They, they know exactly what they're trying to do they know what's ahead of them they know what the challenge is and andre just he showed us that too you know he knows you know he's going to take what he did last year you know move it into this year and um and you know fight for a spot i mean we we saw what we saw you know glimpse of him last last season and you know it's something to look forward to going into this season now you know the question will be like where is he going to fit exactly you know will he be uh a rotation option, you know, if someone's down or will it be, you know, a long relief or, or, or reliever, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think, you know, I think he definitely deserves a spot there, you know, from what he's shown in the past. You know, I, I know it's a very small sample size, but I didn't realize this. If you look at his ERA from 2021 and his ERA in 2022, in 2021, his ERA was 2.31. And last year, his ERA was 1.86. I, I know they used him as a long man last year, uh, especially towards the end of the season when he himself said it, they were using him like every Sunday. 
I, you know, you don't hear his name mentioned. It's always, it's the other sexy names, right? It's Bobby Miller and Miguel Vargas, Gavin Stone, Michael Bush. You don't hear Andre Jackson, but for me, I mean, we've seen that this guy performs. Now the issue is going to be, like you said, can he make the team and can he keep this up? Can he perform over a longer period of time? He mentioned to us that he had struggled at the beginning of last year in AAA. So what's that going to do to him full season in the major leagues? You know, how is he ready for it? You know, but I, I would like to see him until he fails. I, I think he deserves a shot. To, to be on there and and I think the Dodgers are gonna need a long a long man especially with all the question marks that they have in the starting rotation and we know that the Dodgers philosophy is to limit innings so I, I think he has a really good chance uh, to, to make the team out of spring training which I, I hope is the case one of the things though that really surprised me uh, uh, you know coming out of that interview is how he had mentioned that Julio doesn't get enough credit this is now the second Dodger pitcher because Clayton Kershaw had said this before, and I know we touched on this in a previous episode, but it's really interesting that, that you know, I get it. Us as Dodger fans, of course, you know, we root for Julio. We want Julio to win all the awards. But when you start hearing players and they say, hey, man, this guy doesn't get any credit, enough credit, it really makes me wonder, you know, I what's going to happen next year? I mean, once he becomes a free agent, will the Dodgers think of him the same way that his, his, his players, his fellow players think of him? Yeah. I mean, he said it. I mean, he said, Julio's the ace. Julio is the ace. I mean, Julio. And, and that's tough too. When you look at the Dodgers, like, you know, when you have a, a healthy Walker Bueller, right. You have Kershaw who's still a legitimate ace. Right. And then you have Julio. Right. So those are three guys you know, yeah, maybe maybe Kershaw, you know, he's not where he once was, but I mean he's still Clayton Kershaw, right? Right. So between Walker Bueller and Julio, like those guys would be easy number ones on practically every team, right? So it's it's like where do the Dodgers see him? Do they see him as a their legitimate number one ace? You know, and I think we saw that a little bit more, you know, this season, obviously Julio starting in the playoffs, you know, they went they went with Julio and you know does he get that opening? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to get the opening date not right. Or, or would they? You think they'd go with Kershaw? You know, this, this upcoming season, right? Well, last year yeah. they didn't. Last year they went with Bueller. So yeah. now it's been broken. So you you don't have to deal with being the guy who broke Kershaw's consecutive opening day streak, right? You don't have to deal with it. Yes, right now on paper it should be Julio, but yeah. that's a very good question. Will they give it to Julio? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, he definitely deserves it, right? And I think to show – the Dodgers need to show uh, – for me, like, uh, you know, we've said this before, you know, we feel like maybe they don't appreciate him as much, uh, you know, as they, or as they should. And, you know, that's, you know, my feeling. You know, maybe, maybe like you said, you know, we're missing, we're missing the entire point, right? But to me, I think to show that appreciation, he gets that, that opening day nod. You know, he's, he's your number one guy, and you show, hey, you're our number one guy going into the season. And here you're, you're, you're starting opening day. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one of those things, man, that it's funny because if you look at the rotation right now, it's what? Urias, Gonsolin, Kershaw, Dustin May, and Syndergaard. So of those five, Julio should definitely be the one that yeah, he's the best pitcher out of those five. So he should be your opening day starter. Last year... He pitched the opening game. I mean, there was still debate, right? Is Kershaw going to start game one when clearly Urias was your best pitcher? So the, if the Dodgers pull that again, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, give, give it to this guy already. It, 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 it's just, it's really interesting just to see how, wasn't it, there was an award where the players actually voted for San, Sandy Alcantara, right? As best pitcher last year. So there was this growing belief, oh, well, the players don't look at Julio the same way that the fans do. But maybe, again, it's one of those things, if you, you have to see this guy every day in order to truly appreciate him. And the other thing that just completely blows my mind is that Andre is older than Julio. We just forget how young this guy is. 
Yeah. Uh, on Julio, though, um, we hadn't mentioned it, but he did win the Warren Spawn, Spawn Award. It's yeah. the best left-handed pitcher in the game, and it's, it's his second year in a row. So he is getting that recognition as being, you know, the best left-handed pitcher in the game. And, you know, I think we got to push him up a tier, though. He's, he's one of the best pitchers in the game in general, right? Not not just left-handed or right-handed. But, but yeah, I mean, Julio came up at what? What was it, 17, right? Well, they they signed him at 16, uh, didn't they? Yeah, so, so was it like – no, he came up at ni- like 19, sorry. Yeah. So he was like 19, so – so yeah, I mean he's been he's gonna be one of those guys, you know, that's gonna be like, man, that guy's been been in the game forever just because he came up so long. It's um so young. Um, you know, we're kind of mentioning this with uh um Jason Hayward that they picked up. Yeah, he's thirty three, I believe, and he was up, I believe, when he was like twenty twenty one. So he was he was in the show really young. So, you know, kind of like Andrew Jones. Yeah. Um, so like Jason Hayward is somebody as well that could help the Dodgers probably this year. If you know, he's not old. You know, people say, "Oh, he's watching." He's he's not old. I mean, he's thirty three years old. That's still young. Like, yeah, does he still have it though? And can he be an everyday player and produce? I mean, we'll you know, we'll see. I mean, he got a minor league deal. You know, he's got he's going to have to go and you know prove himself and 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 win a spot. You know, as as a you know fourth outfielder or something like that. Maybe you know maybe he could he still has that in him as well. So, but you know you know. When we see guys that come up really young, though, it's like once you know, once they've been around, I'm like, man, this guy's been in the league for such. And that's kind of like who? I mean, he's barely hitting free agency. He's going to be hitting at 27. You know, 27. That's like it's ridiculous. I mean, good for him. As I said, I hope he has a monster year, only because that will definitely help the Dodgers. Um, hopefully, win a World Series. But I mean, Julio is is just. Look, what what can we say about Julio that we haven't said already? Everybody knows how we feel about Julio. Now, one of the other things I wanted to touch base was he brought up Valenzuela. And and that surprised me, right? Because I always used to think, and maybe this is just naive on my part, or maybe more my ignorance, in that the only people that really appreciated Valenzuela were Latinos, in particular Mexican fans, that that's who only really cared about Valenzuela. So to hear Andre mention when he's talking about the goats in, in Dodgers organization, and he goes from Jackie Robinson to Fernando Valenzuela, that that really surprised me because, and, and just for clarification for all our listeners, we know that Syndergaard is not going to wear 34. But initially when it was announced that he was signing with the Dodgers, they had it. Where, what was it, on their website, Babyface? Is that where they had him listed as thirty-four? It's on the rosters page, the Dodgers rosters page. It's still listed as thirty-four. Like I said, I think I mentioned last time. Like, it still kind of has me worried, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really think they would give it to him. I mean, the only reason I too that I that I thought, hey, maybe when I saw it on there, it seemed kind of odd and kind of suspicious. Because remember when he went to the Angels last year, mm-hmm. they gave him they gave him thirty-four. And the Angels hadn't given out 34 since uh, since Aiden Hart had passed away, so over 10 years ago. So they they weren't using that number as well. So so obviously it seems you know Syndergaard has some attachment to that number, right? 34. If you know, Rusty wouldn't ask for it there, so maybe the same thing. He came to LA and like, hey, can I get 34? I mean, you guys aren't using it, right? Obviously, so like, why can't I get that number? So. I you know obviously we we mentioned that'd be a, just a, a huge you know nightmare if if, if he gave him thirty you know if he gave him thirty four. I, I mean, part of me is kind of curious to see what the reaction would be. I mean, are we just over you know estimating this that maybe there's going to be a huge number of Dodger fans who just don't care? But I am I, part of me is kind of curious, like if he came out there with thirty four, what the reaction would be? If fans would be like, what? Or if fans would just be, you know, who cares? But that's why I, I, I just I was surprised by Andre Jackson. Just the the fact that, you know, he knows who Valenzuela is. And I know we're going back to the same thing again. And it's like, how much longer is this organization going to wait until they give that guy his, his proper credit? And especially going just off of the fact that Justin Turner just left. You know, for some people... 
you know what they're going through right now seeing Justin Turner leave the Dodgers hey I get your fame your uh, your pain because that's what I felt like when Valenzuela left the Dodgers and I know that Valenzuela bounced around to a lot of teams after he left the Dodgers but to me I will always view that man as a Dodger and as far as I concern I'm totally denying reality he never wore another uniform other than a Dodger uniform and it's the same way I'm going to look at Justin Turner I mean, I'm going to see Justin Turner in a Red Sox, and and who knows how long he plays for the Red Sox. And maybe he is a very he has a a very productive two years with the Red Sox. But for me, there's just certain guys that you look at them, and you only look at them in one uniform. And it's very interesting that he had that impact on on someone. And maybe it was because he was watching Diamondbacks games and watching the Dodgers. But how how great was that, that he understands the East LA reference? How many times have you gone to an opposing, have been in, a, in an opposing team's ballpark where the Dodgers are the visiting team and you hear that damn champ beat LA? How many times have you heard Dodger fans try to counter that chant with East LA? Yeah, and I... Um... I think uh, now one of the instead of East LA, I think also we've seen BLA. Like you know, these fans want to BLA, kind of have everything that LA has, all the championships and stuff like that. So yeah, but that that chance getting old, and I think it they got they got to retire that. What the beat LA? Because I got yeah. news for you, it's never gonna go away. <laughs> it, yeah. It's never gonna go away, and I mean, it's not just with the Dodgers, but it's with other sports. The Lakers get it all the time. You know, I, I'm curious to see if the Rams will eventually get the Beat LA chance, but Beat LA is here to stay, man. But I I haven't heard that much of the BLA, but the East LA was always the classic one for me that just cracked me up because I, I, I'm just like, I don't know how that's really countering the Beat LA chant, but whatever, man. East LA for sure. Anything else that, that struck you from that conversation with Andre? I am curious to see what his his number is going to be like. You know, you know. Sometimes we we, we it's it's funny that we're really always curious about numbers because, like I said, numbers mean a lot to guys, right? Like, the, there's guys that they want to have that same number their entire career, whatever, and it could be a number that they grew up with, right, from their childhood days. You know, as they as they've gone up, they they kind of want to wear that same number. So it's going to be interesting to see what Andre picks, you know, cause he's wearing 94, you know, 94 yeah. is, is what the guys get in spring training. Like they just hit here, take, take this number, but we have seen some guys, you know, wearing those higher numbers, right? Like we saw Kenley with 74, you know, Ryu, Manny had 99, Aaron judge has 99. Yeah. So some of those numbers are kind of becoming more, more common, like the baseball numbers that you'd see like 32, 20, you know, 23, you know, you're seeing the 99, the 66, you know, 66, I, 66, I didn't see anybody wear that right until Puig. And then you started seeing it now with other other on other teams, like players that were 66. So I wonder, did that have to do with Puig, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that had to do with Puig, right? Like, or, or, I, I, or Mitch White, right? Or Mitch White. Well, you, you think Mitch right. White is the greatest yeah. uh, player yeah. to wear 66 ever, yeah. you yeah. know? So, so it could have so. came from that. You know, they saw Mitch White and they wanted to wear 66. Well, but I think the numbers thing speaks to what you have. Uh, well, actually, what Andre was talking about in that uh, I think players are such creatures of habit. They're all about routines. And I think the number becomes part of your routine. And uh, maybe it speaks again to the mental aspect of this game, where if, oh, I'm not wearing my number and that's why I'm doing bad. Like when Andre couldn't understand why he was walking so many people at the beginning of last year, why he was struggling that you're just grasping for any reason, yeah. anything that'll make sense to you as to why. I mean, we've seen people change numbers too, right? If they like, they're struggling. Oh, I, another person with a high number. Uh, do you remember who wore 97 for the Dodgers? Ambassador of the podcast, Beatles podcast, Joe Bimo. That's right. Uh, the ambassador, Joe Bimo, wore a 97. So, I, I, as I said, I, I'm I'm rooting for him. I... I, I would like to see what he does. I, I think he's a hybrid pitcher. I, I think he's one of those guys that's going to see maybe some spot starts, but then you're also going to see him be a long person out of the bullpen. And look, it is now what going into Christmas week. We're heading almost into January. The Dodgers still don't have a closer. 
So yeah. there is uh it's going to be bullpen by committee in the closing role unless someone early in the season can define themselves uh, which I find very very interesting that it no, no one's really it's not a bigger deal that it's like hey the Dodgers don't have a closer. No. I mean uh, with Andre I think um he's going to kind of fit in like you said that hybrid role kind of that that Ross Stripling role that mm-hmm. we'd seen before what Tony Gonsolin kind of was prior to, you know, this past season. I think he's probably that candidate for that, you know. Um, but as, as far as closer, yeah, I mean, it's kind of – it doesn't even seem like they're looking for a closer or trying to get a closer. I mean, but it was like that – it was that that way, same way, I think, last off season until they made that trade for Kimbrough. Yeah. So, you're right in, you know, right in spring training. So, I, um, I mean, there was talk. I did hear uh, – uh, Liam Hendricks kind of might be in on the market again with the White Sox. Yeah, I heard that. So, so would they go down that route and and trying to get you know maybe they go into spring training with no defined closer and then you know they might go in a couple weeks and be you know what we should probably find a closer. Yeah. But you know there there are guys on this team that can close right. There's Bruce Starr. Um, you know a lot of people think that you know that guy should be you know the closer. Um, uh, Evan, Evan Phillips, Phillips uh, yeah. right? Evan, Evan Phillips got some nasty stuff. You know, Vesia, Vesia can be pretty nasty. So you know, those guys, those are the guys that we might see early on to close. You know, and you know, as I mentioned before, I mean, I think they're going to take the beginning of the season all the way to the trade de- trade deadline, kind of just to assess where they're at, and then at the deadline, they're definitely going to meet those needs. Like, okay, do we need the closer? You know, do we need that other power hitter off the bat? Do we need you know? A different shortstop, you know, that's gonna, you know, like a Trey Turner, Corey Seager, you know, Manny Mitchell, all those guys that they've had in the past. I think uh, that's this is gonna be one of those seasons that it's just gonna okay, let's wait and see where we're at end of July. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Bleed Lows podcast. Once again. Look, if you guys haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, subscribe, spread the word, tell everyone, let everyone know about the Bleed Lows podcast. Tell them you never know what's going to happen on the, in the carne asada. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel because then you get to see these awesome little pictures like the one that we put up here with Andre as his Chippendales uh, outfit for those of you who haven't seen that picture. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. For this episode of the of the Bleed Loss podcast, you have sido su servidor Juan Ramirez, ni de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Loss podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.